to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm not asking other people to come and join me in fatness. I'm just like literally let me be fat, you be thin. I don't care, mind your business. Um I think that the idea that we can unhitch this idea of being a good or bad person from how much we weigh, 100 kilos plus, um is is really what we're aiming for. Welcome to the deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. Today I speak to the Bodzilla, also known as April. She is a trailblazer, a woman that's created a safe space for body acceptance and fat positivity. We're talking all about fat. The shame, the stigma, the attitudes towards it and how we need to banish fat being bad. This is a really honest conversation between two very different women, April and I, our relationships with our bodies, and how we need to change the narrative around the word fat. April, a.k.a. The Bodzilla, welcome to The Deep. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I found you from your billboard your bi- your bikini billboard moment. I mean, that's a pretty epic way to get my attention. <laughs> I did it just for you, babe. <laughs> I was just like, who is that girl? And then you were just like, you know, when you see someone and then they're just all up in your feet, like everywhere you uh, look, they are. Yep. Oh no, I was that person. You're like, oh God, I can't get away from oh, this. I was like, I need to know her. So um, I started following you and then I was like this is you're really interesting we're obviously going to get into you in a minute but I wanted to talk to you about just a little bit of market research I was doing yesterday because this is going to be an episode on the word fat the f word the f word which is I think more triggering than the the other f word oh for sure for sure And I put up this question box on my social media to ask people's opinions on the word fat, how they feel about fat people, um, do they shame them, and and so forth. I cannot tell you what I received, like hundreds and hundreds of comments back on how dare I use the word fat. (gasps) Um, Really? Yes. Oh, my Lord. Um, Because fat is a bad word, you know, and and I think this is really offensive, Zoe. You should really think about taking this down. Yes, and why are they fat people? Why aren't they people that are fat? Oh, because so can (laughs) we just can we bring that same energy for people who live with disabilities and other people, trans people? Like, I love that they will get so hardcore invested in calling you out about using the word fat, but I guarantee they don't spend this much time talking about the way other people use language that is ableist and so on, which just cracks me up. But yeah. (laughs) And that's what I want to make this conversation about is there's a lot of unconsciousness around the word fat, around fat people. So firstly, do you find it offensive if I say the word fat? 
No, because I self-identify as a fat woman. Um, and that the reason for that is that I don't see that there is something wrong with being fat. Now I say that in 2021, go back 20 years, different story. If you called me fat, I would be like, I'm never talking to you again. That's the mm. meanest thing that you could say to me. Mm. Even though it wasn't, it wasn't not obvious. Like it wasn't not obvious that I was fat, but I didn't want people to say it because of the stigma. The idea of saying someone was fat was it was you were telling them, I dislike you because of your body weight, because mm-hmm. you don't you don't say it unless you're wanting to call someone out, right? You don't observe that someone's fat unless it's to say that and something negative. They're a fat this, they're a fat that. Yes. You, you don't just be like, oh yeah, there was this thin guy and this fat guy. You don't that's just not a thing. Um, it is it is in my world because I, you know, I don't feel uncomfortable about the word fat but I I definitely think that if I thought you got if you were using that word in a way to be derogatory towards me sure Mm. but you and I are on the same wavelength around the fact that it's just a word to describe a thing which is fatness it's a describing word right It, it doesn't have meaning attached to it it doesn't have vitriol attached to it it is a describing word so like I think and this is what we need to break down now is when did fat become bad the question is probably when will fat become good? Yeah. Because it's never been good. I mean, the idea of a rotund man in, you know, uh, centuries gone by being a sign of wealth. Mm. Sure. There were those times. Absolutely. But even then you look at the way that bodies were shaped, the way that the patriarchal narrative around beauty standards had women in corsets. So yes, you wanted to look plump and, you know, well-fed so that it showed that you were rich, but you also had to have a tiny little waist <laughs> cinched in. You're like, oh, you know, doing a little like Pirates of the Caribbean moment. Oh, I can't breathe. Like, falling out windows, God knows what. So there was never a time where it was okay to just have whatever body type you Mm. showed up with. Mm. This is so interesting because for those people identifying as a fat person, I don't want to say I was a fat person, but I definitely, you know, had chubbier periods where Mm. I was teased and I was fat shamed and I was called beef and bacon burger by my peers at school. And I remember, you know, and this is what's really interesting because the spectrum of fatness, right, is like, oh, my God. I had someone on on that comment box say, I'm a size 10 (laughs) and have been struggling with thrush and my doctor said it was because I was fat. And Ooh, time for a new doctor, babe. Just yes. like let me. I am not a doctor, but I can tell you I'm still more qualified to talk to you about your body weight than that person because they don't know what they're talking about. So that's why I, I think we need to look at the spectrum, but also the impact on the word fat because it comes in really early on, right? Yeah. So this is kind of a two pronged question. The impact of when we learn what fatness is, right? And it is always in a negative way yeah I mean that stayed with me forever you know like I remember that um I remember going to a salt and pepper concert (laughs) when I I was like maybe it was yeah I was in my chubby days so it was puberty time 11 and Mm. I remember that they were fuller women than any other kind of celebrity out there yeah and they weren't fat but they made me feel more normal, right? I felt like there was someone that made me feel normal. And this is the thing that is happening now with children is, and I, you have a child. I do. YouTube, these things are becoming very detrimental, right? I mean, they always have been Barbie, cartoons, Disney. How, how do you navigate that then? when children are impacted so early? One of the really important parts of, I guess, what I'm doing now is talking a lot to other parents, um, most often mums, about the ways that they handle um, conversations. Like as in my mum friends say, well, you're the Bodzilla. Tell me how I <laughs> yes. how I handle my, you know, my eight-year-old coming home and talking about their body. And, you know, for all the fat kids or all the fat parents out there, there's also lots of skinny kids. And that the thing is body shaming more broadly is a real problem. And kids are so mean, mean, but it's because they just say what comes into their head. Now that's, we have to work all the way back to how did that get in their head? How did you 
as a parent and influence, um, you know, as someone who's in the media, you, you mentioned YouTube and that's, you know, a great example um, of where did you see that that made you think that? Because they don't know anything until we tell them. Mm-hmm. They, that they're pure sponges. So the idea that your child um, either would be the victim of someone else's body shaming mentality through their child mm. or that your child would also carry a narrative inside them around bodies, mm. uh, that's, with, that's with us. So it's about how do we talk about ourselves in front of them and at all because let's let's not, let's not try to, you know, um, just do it one way for the kids. We've got to do it for ourselves as well. We have to genuinely be like, I'm not going to be mean to you when we look at our bodies and go, I'm just going to be like, all right, do I, do I wake up in the morning every day and go, oh, I feel like I'm the sexiest person alive? Potentially not. <laughs> I mean, not me personally, other people might. Um, but I, I can still go, okay, I'm here. I'm, I'm alive. I feel okay. Like, that being able to just turn up in front of your kids and not have body shame that they can see is a really important first step. And I think also destigmatizing language. So if like me, your child comes home and says something about big fat, blah, blah. And you think, mm, we don't talk like that here. So obviously that's a daycare thing. Yes. Um, which then obviously other parents are responsible for. And I can only do so much because I realized that you know, it's a big wide world. I can't be there all the time to be like, oh, hang on, we don't talk about bodies. Oh, hang on, we don't speak like that. Um, I think that the most important thing I can say is, oh, yeah, that person's fat like me. And and my child go, oh, yeah, and I'm like, so they're really cool then because I'm really cool. And then we just have a joke about me being a total wally and being like, oh, I'm so cool. So I just try to make my child realise that the idea of someone being fat has nothing to do with how cool or awesome or fun or nice or kind or clever they are and just be like oh yeah I'm fat that person's fat that person has brown hair oh whatever like just to destigmatize it in our home so at least when he's having those kind of moments where someone's talking in a certain way that I wouldn't necessarily want him to hear that I can kind of undo that a little bit or unpick it a little bit when he gets home because this is where we get into children and their healthy body image, right? Like it's starting mm. now. Like it starts as young as two or three. Yeah. And like Fox, my three-year-old, will I, I've had just had a baby. He'll grab my tummy and go, squidgy tummy. And that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like how do I – is squidgy a good thing, is squidgy a bad thing? And we just have a laugh. And, like, it feels funny, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's just – it's a factual thing, you know. It doesn't yes. have a label on it. Yeah. Um, and then I'll say, is your tummy squidgy? He goes, my tummy's hard. And then we'll laugh at that. And that's the same – response so it's not like oh your tummy is better my tummy is worse or vice versa yeah but so you have a little boy don't you yeah he's four he's four so I'm getting really anxious now even more so because I've just had a little girl and because you know I do believe that boys have this pressure upon them too but the girls it's just another level and I'm looking at a beautiful chunky croissant thighs and her belly and her cheeks and I, I'm looking at her this chubby bubby fat bubby and she's mm. so beautiful and I'm like when does this how long do you get to be chubby and fat and beautiful like how long does it take you know is it by the time you're five or six that you can't be that anymore or that you can but there's going to be discrimination and how do I protect you from all of that forever? Because mm-hmm. that's the most terrifying thing, right? You know, I know as women, it's very early on. Uh, I think it's before we even can read a magazine that we are conscious of body. I feel like straight away the impact of other people is so insidious. Mm. People go, oh, look at her. She's so beautiful. Look at those beautiful chubby thighs. But then at a certain point, adults start to look at that chubbiness as a negative thing because, oh, you can't be chubby at a certain age. So then it's like, oh, look, oh, she's, oh, look at those chubby thighs. Same sentence, different intonation, two Mm -hmm. totally different meanings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, One that's, one that's laden with shame. So I think being able to have the energy to, dismiss remarks like that and say oh yeah I mean 
yeah, she's a very clever girl. Um, and we don't really talk about bodies. <laughs> like, see you. Goodbye, Doris, and just run away as fast as you can. Um, I think that that's the thing. You ask the question, you know, when do we get to, to you know, when do we have to stop being that beautiful, squashy, yummy, edible baby? Um, I don't know if that's something that is specifically to do with being socialised with other people. So those, you know, whether it's daycare, whether it's school, but that feels about the time. The minute you start to be exposed on a regular basis to other people's opinions is kind of the time it feels like, okay, now we have to start conforming. Now we have to start Mm. doing it other people's way. And I think the only way that we can really protect our kids from that is, is by kind of instilling a message of uniqueness being a positive thing Mm. both by observing other people's uniquenesses in a you know in a very um unbiased way yes that person um I don't know has brown hair yes that person wears glasses yes that person uses a wheelchair and just being like that's a fact about them I think being able to really destigmatize all of the conversations we have about other people so it's just always observations it's never a moralizing thing oh that person does this and therefore they are good bad indifferent Mm. it's simply just oh yeah john is someone who uses crutches to get around and this other person you know has long hair it it needs to just be a fact yeah yeah, a fact yeah no more no moral value attached to people's existence in that way because i had my moment where, you know, I didn't think that I was fat, but I was called fat. And that was a shocking moment where you're like, okay, the world looks different now because someone's labeling me as something. Do you remember that moment for you? Uh, I remember a series of moments or a series of actions by one particular person that uh, kind of cemented the fact that everybody thought I was fat. Um, and that was being five years old in kindergarten and this boy used to call me Fat Albert and he used Mm. to say every time I walked past, hey, 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 it's Fat Albert and I would go home to my mum or I remember my mum was doing assisted reading in the class and me being like, mum, Joshua was saying that thing to me again because not only was I a little chubby kid, I was also brown. Mm. The only person he knew that looked like that was Fat Albert, which is a whole nother story about what was even on television in the 80s. Right. Like, what what yeah, was going another, on? Yes. It's a mess. But I, I, the idea that he thought it was okay to say that, I'm kind of like, did he just watch that show and work that out himself? Like, did he just figure that one out on his own? Because if I was five, he was also five. So just not sure, like, what kind of conversations potentially were happening in his house. Maybe it was the thing that the parents talked about everyone. So everyone got a little, a little dose of their their snark I'm not really sure but the fact that he would do that and no other one no one else would say anything to him except mm. the teacher would be like stop it Joshua don't be silly that was the uh, that was kind of like oh okay so I am fat no one's gonna deny it they're just gonna be like don't be mean about it that's so, really confusing yeah that's really hard so this is something else that came up in the question box was it's just so awful that it's the parents' fault, that it's the parents' responsibility to not have a fat child because that is child abuse and and it is, it's attached to shame. So why would a parent allow that for their child, which is, for me, outrageous? But is that something that you have heard? My mum did have that said to her about me um, when I was a kid. And so, yeah, that one like kind of hits home. But I, for me as a parent now, I'm like, actually, I'm just trying to feed and nourish my child and make good choices. So if my child was fat and he's not, he's only little um, for now, but I think if I I would definitely, if somebody said that to me, I would take that to heart. Like I don't know Mm. how my mum handled that. I didn't get to see her, you know, this was something she told me in later years. She's like, oh, this person told me this. And I was like, um, what? Uh, and so I think knowing that the idea that you you already say enough terrible things to yourself as a parent about how badly you're doing, mm. <laughs> it's like innate. Are you a parent? I don't know. Do you feel bad about yourself? Yes. Okay. Well, then you're probably a friend. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like if you're feeling de- like that everything that you've done is maybe not as good as it could have been, if you're constantly questioning yourself. And then to have somebody suggest that you're, abusing I mean it's such a disgusting way of minimizing actual child abuse for a start 
Absolutely. Like, <laughs> I, I, ugh, I could go on. Um, and I, you know, if we think about the fact that 1 billion children in this world are victims of child violence and then also look at the other ways that children are abused, I think the idea of a child being fat and, and calling that abuse is unfathomably crass and really a reflection on how terrible you think fat people are, that mm. you would compare actual abuse with uh, maybe a child has, you know, eats a lot and is currently carrying a heavier body mass than the, I don't know, the average child of the same age, given that also children grow and change like mm-hmm. almost in front of your eyes. So a fat child today is a tall and skinny kid tomorrow because that's just what they do um, is, is really, it's painfully just ignorant to like that offends me so much more than most of the things people could say because it just proves to me how disgusting and wrong you think fat people are because you would compare them to abuse Mm. and I'm kind of like wow you are really a yuck person but Mm. at the same time I'm like but I'm not I know that I'm not so I I feel okay but if somebody told me that about (laughs) my child if I was the parent I don't know how I would handle that I've got to say that is a really hurtful and disgusting thing and I hope that that person listens to this podcast and knows that I think that they are a grub And I think it's also just to hear you differentiate what that means, I think is really valuable, you know, for them to go, holy shit, yeah, that is a really horrible way to think about something. Yeah, well, I, you know, that would be the ideal outcome that they actually listened and heard that and went, God, I couldn't have been more wrong. But, well, that's the whole point of this <laughs> podcast. I, I feel like that's not always what happens. Sometimes I feel like um, it only reinforces to them that we don't get it and we just want to live in a fantasy land and they're right. Um, and to them I say, I wish you luck. You're going to need it. I wanted to go through just a couple of other things that were, were that came up because they're really interesting because I have my own obviously my own lens on this but it's just not as perhaps um ignorant as some others and I and I really do want to make this podcast for the people that have these ideas so do yeah. you mind if I go through some of them oh no you can't I mean none of these comments will shock me I don't think like even if they're God awful, um, because you know, thirty six years of being a fat person um, means that I've heard pretty much everything there is to hear. So let's unpack them and hopefully help some people get around their biases and and just dis- disassemble them a bit. Please, okay. This is their choice to be fat. I don't understand why you would disrespect your body. Mm, yeah, so obviously there's a lot of my body is my temple kind of vibes coming through there. Mm, mm. Um, it, the idea that it's a choice to be fat is wrong. I, I'm not sure how to kind of articulate that differently. but That makes it's, sense. It's not, it's not necessarily a choice. Is it a choice to eat and nourish your body when you feel hungry? Yeah, because obviously lots of people choose not to do that, and that is very dangerous and harmful. Um Eating disorders are more prevalent now than they've ever been. Um, And the idea that people who are, only people who are thin have eating disorders is totally incorrect. Narratives like this only further uh, eating disorder behaviour in people of all body shapes and sizes uh, and perpetuate an ongoing uh, idea that fat people are not only unattractive, but they're also stupid and make bad choices. Yes, yes. I've got to tell you, I'm not stupid. I think I make great choices. Also, I've got a huge ass. Like, you can have all three. Um, And I, like, I just think that the idea of the choices that I've made in my life and in relation to my weight as well, none of them are bad choices. You know, I've had, um, I've had weight loss surgery and I, I made that choice consciously feeling like I too thought this is the choice that's going to fix my life. Now, as it turns out, fixing my life came along when I started to accept myself and get rid of trash people from my life. But here we are, um, you know, six years later. Is that right? Is that maths? Yeah, six years later. It's like 2015. So you had a surgery. Mm -hmm. So six years ago I had surgery. Um, I guess people in my family and also my ex-partner had had this surgery because in my life, you know, lots of people are affected by weight stigma. And so, um, you know, and now we kind of go, oh, well, actually, that's probably because genetically you might just be a heavier person. Like, duh. But anyway, that's another story for another day. Um, And so, yes, I had weight loss surgery, which I felt 
I won't say pressured to do. I just felt like it was the best choice because I could see that other people seemed to be living their best lives post-surgery. Oh, I've lost Mm. that weight. That's all I ever wanted in my life was to not be fat, which like now I'm like, God, we really need to want more for ourselves. But that at that that time felt like the right choice. Um, And and I say this often because it's not something that I talk about a lot because I don't feel like it has a lot of relevance now because I'm still living in a fat body. I've lived in a body that's fatter than the one, um, you know, that I'm in now. And I have been thinner, but that was, um, you know, only for a few years. And I think the idea that I would choose to have weight loss surgery because people believe that it's a choice to be fat and then now knowing everything mm-hmm. I've gone through in the last six years, I'm like, it's it's not it's not the choice that you think it is. The idea that you would choose against your natural instinct to feed yourself, to keep yourself alive, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that the person who left this comment feels like you're smart, yeah, that's that's it's not for me. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that... Um, questioning the choices of people and how they, what they do with their bodies just needs to get in the bin for like in every way. It's really Um, no one's business. Correct. Like how my relationship, like, like say a marriage, right? My marriage, your marriage, I'm not sure if you're married, but say you Mm -hmm. are, Mm -hmm. is none of either of our businesses, right? It's like my relationship with body versus your relationship with body is none of my business and none of your business. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and I, I think that the the ownership that we can take over our own bodies is not something that someone else can grant to us. It's it's ours. It's up to us. And I think if we look at the way that we, if we want to, you know, stigmatise and police the way people, you know, augment and change their bodies, I read something really great yesterday um, on Instagram, of course, because where else do I read things? Not in actual, <laughs> not in actual books, not obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I read something yesterday that was talking about, you know, uh, how people, like what people do with their bodies and the fact that it's it's really not up to us to talk about it. And it's this is a, a tweet um, from at Nonbinary Things. Reminder that you have the right to alter your body until you feel at home in it, whether that's clothes, makeup, haircuts, or more permanent things like piercing, tattoos, hormones, and surgeries. It's your flesh vessel and you are the only one who mm. should get to design it. Mm, and I was God, like, send that to me. Yeah, I'm going to, I saved it. And then they, for good reason, um, because I thought that's, that's right. And I, we, we, that shouldn't, that's not limited to um, people seeking gender affirming surgery. It's not up mm-hmm. to people. It's, it's just literally, is that that you want to just feel more at home, gain weight, lose weight, um, get your lips done. Literally, this is, I know that lots of people talk about, oh, you know, like, body image and people who have surgery to change their bodies to look more like the current beauty standard, blah, blah. Just mind your business. It's literally, is it hurting you? It's doing nothing. The only time I have an issue with people who have made changes to their bodies in cosmetic ways is when they try to push it onto other people or when they talk about their bodies in a way that I go, oh, come on now. Like you really, what you're saying about yourself is reflecting onto all of us as well. Other than that, I'm like, "Eh, do what you want. I don't really care. Or deniers. Oh, I'm just like, why are you ashamed though? Because you look yeah. hot. What are you? Like, yeah. Just, okay, own I wasn't, it. Like own yeah. it all. I, agree. I I was born with the lips that other people want. Lucky me. However, <laughs> um, I was also born to be a fat person. So like, I mean, take your pick. Um, That's a really interesting thing you just said though. I was born to be fat. And mm. this is what came up in the, this question box too was, you know, Lots of people believe it's genetics or lots of people say it's a medical issue. Um, It's almost like some people can't accept that it can be none of those things, you know, it just Mm. is. Yeah, I think people want to just assume it's eating too many donuts. Now, I like donuts as much as the next person, but actually even when my mum was super strict when I was a kid about the food that I ate um, and, you know, it was very much you know, in the 90s, chicken and vegetables or whatever, you know, they're very basic but quite strict. There were not a lot of snacks to be had in the house. I, You know, celery and peanut butter was what I took to school in my lunchbox. Delicious. I'm, I'm so literally so good. I can't. People are like, I still oh. love that. I'm like, I still love that. You clearly don't. And obviously crunchy peanut butter. But anyway, oh. this is, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, I'm totally going off topic here. Um, the that's just not true. The idea that it's just, oh, you eat too much, you big fat pig. 
It's, it's just literally not that. It can be anything to do with whether you might have some sort of chronic medical condition that causes your weight to increase. Um, it could be, you know, obviously in women, we have hormonal things that are slightly different um, to the way that, you know, other people's bodies work. Like I, I just don't, the idea that no one can accept that fatness is genetic, but they can accept that like being tall and having blonde hair, it's genetic. What, what about that does not make sense? I judge them, but never shame them. I just oh. feel so sorry for them and want to help them. That for me is like killer. Oh, miss me with that shit. I excuse my French, but kind of not. Um, I no, oh, I judge them, but I know I don't shame them verbally. I don't shame them in a way that I think is obvious um i'm like be real with yourself you're shaming us you're just not doing it in a way that feels mean you're like coming at us with kindness first good vibes only live love laugh like but also don't be fat <laughs> and also like, don't pity don't ugh. use pity like Gross. it's so uncomfortable you know like there's there's no acceptance mm. in that it is i want to help them they're not there to be rescued yeah. No one's asking you to rescue them. So, I mean, I'm speaking for you. Sorry, you continue. Oh, I mean, I totally agree. I think, don't pity me. I feel great. I feel fine. I'm, you know, and it's not about one thing that's really important to me to be clear on too. I am healthy in the sense that I have no health conditions that I'm aware of other than, you know, I have asthma, but that's just life. Um, but if I was not healthy, if I had health issues that were related to um, what are traditionally referred to as, you know, kind of diseases that fat people have or chronic medical conditions that fat people have, um, there's no moral value attached to my health. So if I was unhealthy, that's also none of your business. So mm. don't pity me. Oh, you know, I, I remember I had a friend, not a friend anymore, but I had a friend who said to me that, you know, I'm really worried about your weight because, like, you're going to die and you're going to miss out on getting to see my kids grow up because this was before I was married and had a child and so on. And that that was that was before I had the surgery, but that was the start of really heavy investment in diet culture. You know, your old Jetty Craig, Duramine, oh, um, God. eating disorders, like you name it, I tried it. And um, some of that stuff has stuck with me, you know, a lot of that, that negative conversation I have to shout myself down on a bad body image day I still have to be like hang on we're not having this conversation and no we're not doing that thing where we praise ourselves for not eating any breakfast cut it out mm. ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me Kiki Palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Do you know what is just really shitty though about all this is I've been there with you, even though I've yeah. been in a different body. Of course. I've done all of those diets and young, like mm. I'm young. Mm -hmm. I remember doing Atkins and just thinking it was like bread and pasta. So I ate all the ice cream. Like I couldn't <laughs> quite get the concept. <laughs> I'm kind of um, into it though. You're like, oh, yeah, why is yeah. this diet working? Sarah Lee told me. I love this diet. Um, but it was, you know, like you're too young to even figure, like to understand the con concept of it. Yeah. Um, I've done it all and I've sat in in front of the mirror and I have, you know, pointed out different parts and been disgusted in myself and hated parts of myself. Um and wasted so much of my youth and beauty <laughs> and youthfulness mm. on um, self-hatred, you know. Yeah. And I don't feel like we're alone in this. I feel like I guarantee that every, every woman, every yeah. person, I don't even think it's limited to women. I think that most of the, you know, the, those narratives around body standards apply to men too. Now, of course, we know that the patriarchy oppresses women at a rate 
significantly higher. But men are harmed by the idea that they have to have a perfect bod. People mm. like bloody Chris Hemsworth, hot as he might be, um, is out here being all Mr. Muscly and shaped a certain way. Again, genetics. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's no, it's not a coincidence and that also, Luke Hemsworth he has always a, looks like that. a huge personal trainer. Like he has a chef. He has a, yes. a system. And I want to say um, I want to add to this. So when I was trying to fall pregnant with my son, I went to a very alternative Chinese practitioner who got me pregnant. He's, he's amazing, but very controversial. And I lost a lot of weight. So the first two weeks was a, a fast, not a juice fast, just fasting with herbs. Um, and you can imagine you're not eating for two yeah. weeks. And then yeah. that continues on for a few weeks when you're introducing a cucumber and you're introducing a piece of fish. Like it's very bizarre. And you're under the the watch of a doctor, right? So I would never recommend to do this at home ever. You will, you could kill yourself, like it's quite literally. Yeah. Um, but the response when I lost this weight mm. was shocking. Mm-hmm. Like the praise I got for eating crudite for breakfast. You know what I mean? Like I was on a really strict regime for this baby and now it's gone, right? Like I don't live like that anymore. But I was like in that moment eating probably like a a model would eat, like that kind of very restrictive way. Um, And the response to the way I looked was scary. And you probably would have seen that in the times where you dropped weight, the response of people that you, am I more valuable now? Oh, I mean, people would almost fall over themselves to say things like, is that you? Oh, come on. Of course it's me, you fool. Like, are you you really going to pretend that me losing, we don't talk numbers, but just for the sake of this conversation, um, 50 kilos, yeah, but I have the same head like and voice and I live in the same house like don't be a joker stop being so hyperbolic like weight loss is going to turn me into a brand new person my best possible self get go goodbye I'm not having that and and one thing that you were observing then talking about what you were eating and being praised for that oh my god and conversely though, and this is the difference between, and you acknowledged this earlier, the difference between um, the fact that we've both shared um, the experience of negative body image, body shaming, fat shaming, all of that, but the difference being that even at uh, what you would have, like your chubby size, um, like if you think about as an adult now, you would would still be able to be that girl eating a burger because she's not like other girls. Um, But if I was eating a burger, I'd be like, oh, you should have a salad doll. Like yes. the, that yes. stigmatization between having a fat body and having a thin body and not being able to, you know, but if I was seen eating, uh, you know, veg- raw vegetables, people would be like, yeah, look at you go. Like, look, I love that taking yes. care of yourself. Yes. Good on you. I'm like. <laughs> and the other thing that I need to mention was I was fainting. I was deaf in my right ear. I was oh in God. incredible amounts of pain. Like, it wasn't normal, you no. know. Um, but what people were projecting onto me was, and really dangerous. Like if I was younger, oh yeah, and had that experience, really, I'd, I've never had an eating disorder. But that was the most dis- disordered eating under a practitioner I've ever done. But that would have ruined me, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. As a as a child, and if social think, media had been able to show you a plate on day oh, on a, a day plate, on a plate. Ooh, get that away from me! My God, day on a plate. What did I have? Well, coffee, water, so far. And can I tell you? I really want to say something because I've been. I know lots of people in the media, and I know lots of people in the industry, and I know a lot of wellness advocates. And I want to say to you. I met with during this time that I was eating just carrots. Um, I was with someone in this industry that promotes loving yourself and promotes balance and all of this real toxic positivity. Mm. She was like, and she's incredibly thin, like incredibly thin. And she was like, you know, I just don't want to have a baby 
because of what it's going to do to my body. And I, you know, I can't even have anything with sugar, like not even a carrot or a sweet potato. Like I can't have anything with sugar in it at the moment. But she's, so I want people to know that everything that you see in this culture that is wrapped in wellness, I would say 80% of it is a facade. Like I would say, I would say more. 98.9% of it is a facade. And do you know what? It's not an accident that the word weight loss and the word wellness sound so similar because it was just a rebrand for diets when we decided that we were going to, you know, get our Yoni eggs and our Gwyneth Paltrow (laughs) scented candles and the whatever the jig. Like I, it's not an accident. That was a very deliberate move to lean into health culture, which again, though, moralizing of health and making health something that makes you a good or a bad person um that that toxic idea that if you don't it goes back to that thing it's a choice if you don't look after yourself it's a choice if you're not into wellness it's it's not and the idea that you would harm yourself with diet tea on the premise that it will make you well after you suffer all of these significant side effects and permanently damage some of your organs um so that you can be thin because that's the most important thing to be um that's none of that's an accident it's very deliberate Mm. And I just look, I I also want to put my hand up here and go, I know I'm sharing anecdotes from my life and you're probably looking at me like, you know, you have no fucking idea what it's like. And I don't, but I just want to say there is, there is a spectrum. And I think the damage is also towards, it, it's throughout. I think obviously fat shaming hits harder when you're a fat person absolutely but there's still women of all sizes size 10 being told by a doctor you know Mm -hmm. that then is she going to start warping her view so I guess the reason I'm wanting to have a voice in the episode is um that you might be listening with a very distorted idea of what who you are because of your body and I and I think that's the narrative here I want to shift with you yeah, absolutely. Look, and Zoe, I think the really important thing is, and this is one of, what, I guess, what I care about, is we have to make space for everyone to be able to feel and see themselves in these situations that destigmatize bodies. There's no reason. I'm not going to tell you, oh, you don't get to talk about this because you're not fat enough. That's no. The idea that we would stop anyone from talking about accepting their body is silly. But what we do need to do is stop looking for imaginary flaws to accept so that we can pretend there's something wrong with us just so that we can then feel better about it. I love that you're so ready to acknowledge that there is such thing as thin privilege because I know that lots of people oh, yes. are, oh, you know, privilege, just don't say it because people are like, mm, I've had a hard life too. That's not, that's not, <laughs> ugh, don't make me explain it again, God. But it's, it's just the idea that you can acknowledge it and then be able to still talk about something so vulnerable. I think that's really important. And I, I appreciate you wanting to make sure that people understand that there is a difference between mm-hmm. fat phobia when it's applied to actual fat people, but your voice is not invalid and your, experience is not invalid it's it's you you talking about your body people like nicole sarah nicole landry from the verse papaya janae mercer mm, people mm. who talk about their thin bodies but how they've accepted what they've been told are flaws are still valuable and important because if the people i knew in my life when i was younger who were thin but thought they had something wrong with them and made themselves feel better by being nasty to me had someone to mm. tell them that they were just fine I would have probably not experienced the same thing that I went through because hurt people hurt people. We know that. It's a saying for a reason and it's true. And what's also true is that people who accept and love themselves accept and love other people much more readily. And I just love that whole idea of thin privilege. Can we go into that just a little bit more? Because, you know, I, I watch and I love all different types of people online, but I've got quite a diverse group that I follow. And I was watching Flex Mommy discuss fashion. Yeah. And I mean, it's changing slightly now, but we're in 2021. Like it's taken a long time. Um, Can we, like, that is just one like element of thin privilege is this array of things to wear. Yeah please, you tell us about all the things that people that are listening that have thin privilege don't understand is thin privilege. 
Oh, I mean, look, it, it's it's everything, right? It's um, I spoke on Instagram the other day about Khloe Kardashian's ridiculous comments about, oh, I can't stand people who are like, oh, I'm so fat. Well, they eat ice cream. Again, she obviously is on the same train as that person who thinks that it's a choice. Um, Because mm. we're not allowed to enjoy things now. See ya. <laughs> um, get lost. Um, like, can I not eat ice cream and also go for a walk and then also, like, stop it. Anyway, yes. Um, but anti-fat bias, moralized health, body shaming looks like all of that because it means, if, you know, when you don't allow fat people to have things it's access to healthcare. it's access to fashion it's safety um the idea that i could be on a dating app in the past and nobody would be worried about where i was going to be um whether i was going to be meeting that person in a public place like no one would have that conversation because they're like oh well, they're not going to try to attack you <laughs> like don't worry about it wow or to be a teenager and have someone in your family literally say you'd never get kidnapped because they wouldn't be able to lift you up. Wow. Oh, my God. I Which, just got full body shivers. That didn't happen. Yeah, oh, like 100% and not even just once. Um, and, I, you know, it used to, for me, I used to laugh along. I used to say those things to myself and then to other fat people because I believed those things because they'd been said to me literally from the minute I could take on that information and those, those narratives. So the idea that um, the safety of fat people is not an issue um, is, is definitely something that needs to continue to be discussed because we are literally just, we're desexualizing people. Yes. We're, we're making, you know what I mean? Like it's literally taking away their ability yes. to, to exist in the same way that thin people do. Thin privilege is not realizing that fat people feel that way about themselves because of what society has told them, because you could never fathom being made to feel that way. That's thin privilege. Yeah. This is why I feel like this is really important because it's changed everything, you know, for, for you forever. And thank God you have somehow, and we'll get to that made peace and thrived through that because many don't and many become invisible, like literally just want to shrink and become quiet and dress down. And you know what I mean? Like, and I don't mean dress down as I mean, just like become beige, you know? Yeah. want to be wallflowers um and this takes me to the next point where someone says people who promote obesity is healthy it's not healthy to be overweight being comfortable and saying fat is beautiful to an extent is okay but not promoting if you're 100 kilos plus very specific that's a very i mean (laughs) telling on yourself a little bit about you know your ideal body weight being um under 100 kilos kilos. as someone who hasn't been under 100 kilos in about 20 years i'm kind of like i don't think that's true but also you do promote body positivity and i kind of hate that term because it Mm. makes me feel like saying fat is shameful you know, like it has to, she's body positive, which immediately is a nice, like someone said to me, mm. don't say fat, say plus size. And I was like, don't what call is, me plus size. What, I'll is you. A, what is a plus size? Like plus, plus size is, oh, it's the most, look, I, I don't care. If you, if you see yourself as a plus size person, that's weird. People who use words like fluffy, plus size, um, you know, just bigger, whatever. Do you know what, if that's the word that you feel okay talking about yourself, that is literally fine. Don't call me those words because I don't need them because I feel fine about being fat. That's the thing. And I, I think that what, what I'm trying to do today is take away the shame from fat. Yeah. Right? There's nothing shameful about being fat. And when you preach body positivity, that is just being proud of being who you are, correct? Yes, it is that, but it's all that's more body acceptance, definitely, and self love. Body positivity, you know, is a political movement around being able to open up um, the way that bodies are viewed and destigmatizing the bodies of fat, queer, black, femme mm. people in the 60s. That's where it started. It's evolved from there. So I think we, you know, the real meaning of body positivity has kind of been lost, which I think is why it's good for us to look for other ways to express what we want, which is to destigmatize weight and weight bias to be eradicated. Um, it's to 
promote self-love. I mean, look, promoting obesity is it's, it's just a stupid idea that isn't a thing. Um, my friend Cara, um, who you may follow, I don't know, um, has a great video. She does uh, really hilarious uh, videos on Instagram and one of them is uh, promoting obesity where she kind of goes door to door with pamphlets about like, are you interested in becoming obese? And it is so hilarious because to me, I'm like, that is like, what do you, I'm not, promo- I'm not asking other people to come and join me in fatness. I'm just like, literally let me be fat. You be thin. I don't care. Mind your business. Um, I think that the idea that we can unhitch this idea of being a good or bad person from how much we weigh 100 kilos plus um is is really what we're aiming for and i think body acceptance and uh lack of body discrimination in mainstream media are the things that we can kind of impact and the things that this conversation can change because it allows other people who listen to this to go oh yeah now that you mention it like i do i do you know i've noticed that i've never seen someone who looks like me on tv or whatever Mm. it is and pushing Mm. harder for those kinds of things and i think um talking about the difference like if you want to differentiate promoting obesity and accepting fatness as a number 100 kilos you've missed the point because weight, like your body mass is just a number because guaranteed there are going to be people like athletes who weigh a number that you would, you know, totally. like I think you would, no one would know this better than you, that weight is not an indication because um, the body composition, muscle mass, fat, etc. like it's oh, don't use kilograms and the BMI. It's a stupid made up scale that doesn't actually have any bearing on current day people and was designed around a specific ethnicity, age, gender, physical, um, sex organs, you know, no, it does. Oh, don't even get me started on the BMI. Oh, gives me a headache. Mm. Um, but the idea that I'm not promoting obesity, but even if I was literally the most failed campaign there ever was, because literally no one's buying those products. Do you know what I mean? If skinny tea, yes. Fatty tea, probably not. I'm guessing. So, I mean, fatty, t- fatty tea is just melted butter to be fair. Um, <laughs> drink it on down. Um, I'm kidding, but I get so frustrated by the idea that people will unabashedly respond that in a comment box to someone like you because they feel perfectly safe saying Mm -hmm. something so silly because the world allows them to do that. And so people like me have to constantly be like, no, no, can we talk about why that's not correct? And it's it can be exhausting, but I love talking to you. I feel like this has been a really great conversation and I'm so happy that we're talking about these things because I do think that, there's a real chance for us to actually make a difference when we work together. Um, and that's, you know, we're talking about women supporting women. These are the moments where I go, yeah, let's, let's get together as two, two women who've had very similar and yet completely different body experiences and talk about how it's normal, but we need to get rid of body stigma, weight stigma, um, body image pressure, uh, and just be allowed to exist as we are, no matter what that looks like. I feel like, it's an ongoing thing too, right? Like as much as I feel I've learned and I'm wiser and all of that stuff, the blueprint and the damage that has been done from when I was four, five, 11, whatever, Mm -hmm. is always like this shadow in the background, you know? And I don't know if you feel this because you were so empowered and comfortable but does something still linger? Every day. Every day. This is like, uh, I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, self-love, self-acceptance, body acceptance, however you want to phrase it, is a muscle. You have to exercise it every day to keep it strong. Mm. And on the days where you need to rest it, on those days where you need to just be like, I honestly can't say anything nice about myself, just rest it. Don't put, don't punish yourself. Don't go twice as hard. Don't be like, oh, you're such a horrible blah because you look like X. Like just, just be like, all right, well, this is what I'm working with today. I'm going to put on some comfy pants and try again tomorrow to, to feel like the self I want to feel like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, every single day. And, and you know, like today we're recording today. I got up, I was like, okay, you know, get ready, have a shower, look at myself. I'm like, I look cute. Obviously you can't see me, but I'll send you a photo. (laughs) So you can appreciate how cute I look in in my little overalls. Um, but like I, I felt better about being able to have a conversation with you when I felt like I looked the way that I wanted to look, which is, you know, refreshed, 
you know, had a shower, feeling good. I didn't want to get up and be like in my PJs recording because that I just don't feel like that's my best self. All of those activities, we talk about self-care a lot. Self-care is is also part of it. You know, when we talk about self-love, how do you treat people that you love? You nurture mm. them, you speak nicely to them, you offer them rest and, and you take things, you know, pressure off them when they need that help. You remind them how wonderful they are. Do that shit for yourself. That is that is what self-care looks like to me is they like, Oh, I just really, I want to do whatever feels good. You know, um, you know, dress up. If I felt like I want to put on a full face of makeup, glue on some eyelashes so I could record this podcast, which no, no one can see me. I can look how I want, but that's how I feel. That's yeah. great. Like yeah. body, body image and self-love and being able to maintain this level of okayness with myself is a daily exercise and something that I've committed to probably harder than any other kind of exercise I've ever committed to. Um, and I think that it's important that you start slow because if, if you can't, you can't go all in, it's like actual physical fitness. You've got to start with lifting the weights that you can lift. You've got to start with the thoughts that you can actually really believe, which might be, okay, I don't love my hair today. I feel a bit flat. I don't love the way my clothes are sitting. I'm a bit bloated, whatever it is. Um, or, you know, and obviously that's kind of the, the context of that can change depending on your body shape and size and, and everything like that. But those thoughts that you can say, but that's okay because I'm a good person and it doesn't matter what I look like because it, mm. it doesn't. And I think the the stronger you get, the more you can be like, ah, you people with your silly comments and comment boxes can go and get in the bin. You don't get to that on the first day of deciding that you're not going to hate yourself anymore. Do you know what I found really liberating as well is nobody really cares that much. <laughs> I mean, and as someone who's been on a beach in the middle of the day with a bikini on, uh, you're right because nobody, the only people that were looking were the people that were talking to our film crew because they were being like, hey, so what do you think about that? There weren't people yeah. there. I looked around because, of course, I walked out of that little pop-up change tent and was like, oh, my God, people are going <laughs> to scream at me and throw fruit at me and make animal noises <laughs> at me, um, probably because that's something I have experienced during oh my Oh, my God. But I, you know what happened? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Because <laughs> you know why what I've learned is like when we – because you're right, people have these judgments and people have, um, that's fucking nasty that people would do mm. that shit to anybody yeah. ever. But generally, right, we're obsessing or we're thinking or overthinking about things. People are just more obsessed with themselves than anything else, you yeah. know? Like they might give you a moment's notice and or, or say a shitty thing in a comment box, but really... They are just worried about their own thighs on that beach. Do you know yes. what I mean? Like yes. they're not caring really about what you are wearing or what you are doing. And I, I found that really liberating is like people don't really give a shit no. about me no. as much as I probably think they would and, in that moment. And it's hard as someone who's exposed to regular media coverage because you do, of course, there's always going to be those publications that want to do your best and worst dressed or they want to talk about blah, blah, on the beach, snapped, looking, yes. whatever. And look, that's shit. I don't get late, that. Like late, that is just, shit. Let's all disagree. We're not clicking and we're not buying those freaking things anymore so that that but industry can I also can say the thing that I do love, um, and this uh, it happened for the first time, I I want to say on like reality TV yeah. was on one of the married at first sights. One of the girls, she was an average sized woman yeah. um, in her underpants and she had cellulite and I was all about it. Yeah. I was just like, how come I don't see this? Why aren't we seeing anyone with cellulite? Why? Why aren't we seeing bloated tummies? Why is yeah. it either a thin woman or a fat woman? There's yeah. no spectrum of anything in between. But also the thin woman gets the ba -ba -da bow bow and the fat woman gets the womp womp because Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like the and I guarantee that the person who filmed that scene showing that person cellulite actually had it in their head that they were gonna that there was some narrative around shaming her. But if that person doesn't allow themselves to, if well, they no, she shame, wasn't. She wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. I. It was I just a it. normal moment, and I was just like, I. I feel represented in a way, you know, like her cellulite's my cellulite, 
and I'm into that. And when I see people, and it's fucking stupid that we celebrate people showing their cellulite now, but we do. Um, like you said, there's a couple of the, your friends that you you were talking about before that yeah. show, you know, body, body positivity and things like that. But it's like that's just like we all got it. We've all got yeah. the cellulite and the stretch marks and the, do you know what I mean? Like, And I've seen a lot of commentary lately that's like, can we not be talking about bodies? Like it's okay if you have this, if you've had a baby or blah, blah. let's just like not, there's no need to have a reason because you might have stretch marks or your <laughs> boobs might baby. be saggy. Yeah. Literally. Or you just, let's just not have conversations about why people's bodies are. Let's just agree that they are and then continue on with our day. And I think that is a really interesting, we could talk forever, Literally, a narrative <laughs> about what your body is after a baby. Like that's just a whole nother chapter of fucked upness mm-hmm. that I'm that I'm living in right now. But like <laughs> see, even seeing women with like normalised post-baby bellies, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, like it just why do we is. Have to say why do that we out to, loud? Yes, <laughs> why do you need to make this a thing? Like because but we do. Because then you've got it that the flip side of that, which is blah blah has surgery of some sort and does XYZ. Why? Because they were conforming to beauty standards. That's why we had to always, you know, think about looking to ourselves to accept ourselves because you know that you can't really be accepting someone if you're secretly like, accept this, accept that. Because, you know, in yourself, you're like, oh, I'm this or that. I feel this certain way about my body because you're going to be projecting that onto other people, those judgments. Like that person who said, I judge, but I don't shame. Yeah, but you are. You're just shaming them in your head instead of on the street. And also, like, what are your private conversations like? You oh, know, or what are your yeah. children hearing? The, like, you, you took the words out of my mouth. What are your kids saying to other kids because of the things that you say in the what you would call the privacy of your own home? Um, yeah. I, I think that, yeah, we definitely, we when we look at all of the ways that, uh, we can be feminist. It has to include making space for people whose intersectional identities means that they're more oppressed than us. And like you, you, you have acknowledged more than once how different it is to be a person who has uh, a body that's still in the, like a straight size. As far as you put on weight, you can still go to the shop and buy something to wear. Right. Yes, so like you, you, you don't have that problem where you're sized out. So we still need to be making that conversation about not only taking away the stigma from the word fat, but then also like, what does that do? What does that look like? Like aside from people not recoiling in horror, if you say fat in front of them, you're not fat, you're beautiful, honey. I'm both. See you later. Um, Taking away the idea then that fat is bad, but then what does that do? What does that actually look like? That looks like um, when you are a person who can shop at a straight size store, asking them where's the size 18, 20, 24, 26, and so on finding out, use the energy that you have as an ally Mm. to fat bodies Mm. and go, hey, Jeans West is a random example. You say you've got a curvy range, but essentially it just kind of looks like the same jeans but with elastic waist instead of a zip. And I don't (laughs) feel like that's what we're actually wanting here. Like calling out your favorite brands when you work with brands, if you're a media personality and they they aren't catering to other people people you know and are friends with whether it on is on the internet or real life and you go I can buy this my friend can't get a matching one nah I don't want it and I get that that's idealistic flex talks a lot about the ways that you know obviously brands can do good but they also aren't always necessarily doing it to, to the extent that it could be done you know I think that it's all of that conversation is powerful as long as we keep it going because brands that don't run past a 14 are excluding so many more people yes. and we just somehow accept that we oh okay. forever it's been the I can't, way forever i can't it's shop just... there well why do they still exist when we see that narrative pushed around stores that um exclude certain sizes of people um then we go why do we accept that let's not let's not accept that let's not be the people that continue the narrative of oh well fat people don't deserve fashion fat people don't deserve clothes um I know that there's so much more to it than that because I understand as someone who has worked with brands that are startups that have been started by women uh in Australia it costs money to be able to extend your size range but if your size range starts at an eight 
that's going to be 10 times harder than if your size range starts around the average size of a person, which is, your, you know, your, six, your size 16-ish. Um, if your size range is, is made for people with fat bodies and not for thin people, thin people are like, well, I can't buy from there. Stop literally complaining. We have had nothing for so long. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah. that, that's, that's the thing. If you want to complain about what you don't have, complain about what other people don't have. Ask the brands that you love to cater for the people that you love. Because, you know, I'm sure if we did a survey, there would be less size zeros than size 20s yeah. or 26s. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, and, so, and people will call that an obesity epidemic. We'll be like, no, we're all just existing finally. <laughs> it's not an epidemic, honey. It's just existing. You are just such a breath of fresh air and I just feel so privileged to have you on here talking with me so candidly. And I know you do that every every day, so it's not a surprise, but some people are just discovering you. So I'm going to leave all of your details on our show notes so they can hunt you down Come and, and hang out. You. Come and hang out on the internet. We love that. We love that. My final question, yeah. which everyone gets, is who are you when no one's watching? I am still me because I'm okay with that. Mm, yes. <laughs> we all just fucking need to be okay. Yeah. Like you don't have to you don't have to be frothing over it every day. Just <laughs> be okay with it. Oh, it's all I wish. That's all I wish for everyone is that they if they want to come out and be friends with me on the internet, that they do that and they learn to be okay with themselves too. Thank you so much. Thank you, Zoe. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's The Deep. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting. It's quirky. It's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you will hear some of these episodes, and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.